All right, welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Jace McCarthy. And we are going to talk about some Ember newsy things, and I'm excited. Yeah, it's some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, some cool stuff. I, I've uh, I've been doing, uh, for the last little while, I've been doing a little bit of performance work. I'm kind of excited to talk about uh, one of the little tools that I found. Um, well, actually, I was told about. I didn't find it, uh, which is super cool. So, uh, yeah, I guess uh, we should just dive in. But wait, what about our sponsors? Well, I mean, I suppose we should hear from them first. Hello, I'm Corey. And I'm Matt. Matt and I started our consulting company, 201 Created, five years ago. We've been passionate about Ember and its community since we started and are proud to be able to sponsor Ember Weekend. Our clients have included Fortune 50 companies and Y Combinator startups. If your team needs Ember training or advice or wants to learn how to make open source work for you, visit us at www.201-created.com or follow us on Twitter at 201 T-W-O underscore O-H underscore O-N-E. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. All right, so the first thing we're going to talk about is a blog post by Marie Chatfield about Ember events. It's called A Deep Dive on Ember Events. And it's just that. It's a deep dive. Uh, it talks very specifically about like the OnClick handler and how that uses the native DOM API and the action helper and how that uses kind of Ember's built-in system for uh, event delegation. Uh, and what that means and all of the trade-offs that there are, which there are many, for like choosing one versus the other. And I think the 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 TLDR at the very end was kind of like use the Ember version of this because it will have a lot fewer gotchas and it plays a little bit more nicely with the way the Ember handles things. So it's really awesome. I really enjoy like how in-depth it is, this blog post, and like how visual it is. Yeah, definitely. And and I just want to say like the the style of this blog post, like the deep dives where uh, she explains in the beginning she she was having an issue, she didn't understand how something worked and she did this like massive like deep dive into it for herself. And I guess usually how this happens with me is like I keep notes and all of a sudden the notes become a blog post. And you know, I don't know if it happened in this case, but these are these make really good blog posts because no one is better at explaining a new concept than the person who just learned it. Because the more experience you get with it, the like the, the more you seem to forget things when you're trying to explain to somebody. Um, so this style of blog post is just full of great content, and it's it's actually a good way to teach yourself because if if you can boil something down to explain it to somebody else and they learn it, one it means you learn it, but it also actually it actually reinforces the learning. It's not just a way to prove that you've learned it; it actually makes you learn better. So these style of blog posts are just just amazing, and this one's really good. Yeah, this is super awesome. I think it's it's actually interesting. Uh, I've almost always used the action helper, and I've never really thought to use the native um, the native on clicks very often, like very infrequently. And this was actually shedding light on how it uses the native DOM events and how it actually attaches to the DOM element itself, which is really interesting and definitely not intuitive. So I think there's a lot of really keen insight here that is obviously hard fought. And uh, yeah, it's it's super cool. There's also, uh, I think, Chase, you were mentioning this, that there is a really awesome Ember Twiddle in here that you can kind of visually see what is happening and how it's working. Yeah, it's um, there's like three, you know, it breaks apart into three different types of events and how you'd bind them to uh, elements or components. So like the click equals, you know, some closure action versus the modifier action kind of thing where it's a it's like a bear helper. It's referred to as a modifier in the AST. I'm not exactly sure how you refer to it like this, but it's where, you know, there's no like click equals. It's just action. And then there's the on-click equals, and that one is subtle that it because it looks very similar to click equals, but that one's using the DOM events and in how they work different. And so one of the ones that I, I guess I was aware of because I didn't do it, but I didn't, I wasn't really nailed down in my brain that it was true, is that if you use the on-click equals, you use the DOM event ones, 
uh, you can't use bubbles equals false. So you're like forced to have to deal with things different. It's not as as convenient as using the the Ember built in events. Right. So I think in that in that case, like say you were doing that inside of a component, you'd have to actually implement a click handler and then get the event and then e dot stop propagation or something. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would be stop propagation. Um, huh. But and I'm not a, you know I'm not an expert on this stuff. Um, <laughs> and and so you know yeah, there's there's weird cases and, and it seems like if you use the Ember ones, you don't have to worry about it as much. So right. I, I I'm kind of in the opinion that like unless you know that you need like an actual uh, event listener attached to that element specifically, uh, just lean towards using the, the built-in Ember ones. Yeah, I, I think that's tr- that's totally true. In the very end, she uh, does a nice job of having like a bulleted list that kind of like summarizes all the stuff. And one of the things is, uh, is, and this is also something I didn't realize, is that the event handlers can happen in different orders depending on what you what you specify. So that's also another little gotcha. There's a bunch of really cool things. I think this uh, this blog post, I'm going to be reading it again. I definitely already have it bookmarked. I'm going to be coming back to it and really like, I, you know, pin, pinpointing all of my knowledge because uh, it's super cool. It's a really, uh, really in-depth dive, as you might expect from its title. And the next thing we're going to talk about is an RFC, which is uh, RFC 240. I think it's just titled ES Classes, which is you know, kind of underplays how important this seems to be. Um, <laughs> because, you know, just a few weeks ago, I think there was a there was a tweet by, I think it was Yehuda, talking about how um, someone in the, in the React community was saying, you know, that React moved to classes too fast. And then he's glad that kind of Ember, you know, Ember's class system matured and really thought about the problem. And now all of a sudden, like a week later or two weeks later, whatever it is, we have this RFC to pull in uh, class support. But in a very controlled way, this isn't like, it doesn't seem like it's this massive refactor. It's just like um, they want the class extends syntax to just work, I guess, for Glimmer support or to be com- yeah. Well, compa- I, I, I think it's I think it's just with the they just want it to work with the Ember object to facilitate further testing with decorators. I think I mean among many other things, I'm sure, but I, I don't think it's like this whole sweeping change where they're going to try to like you know rewrite Ember with ES classes. Right, but I mean the idea of Glimmer being this uh, you know upgrade yourself to Ember means mm. that at some point they have to use the same class structure. So, you know, there's this parallel evolution that's going to go on for a while until, you know, maybe they don't actually compile to the same thing under the hood, but you should be writing the same code. And that seems like mm. what they're going after here. The one interesting thing, and I immediately thought about it when they said this, was how are they going to deal with mixins? My hope was that mixins just go away. But, you know, obviously that's not going to happen because for upgradability, people have mixins. They they put a lot of business logic in mixins and things. And so the way you deal with mixins is actually pretty pretty nice. You basically deal with mixins just like you would have ever before. You know, you 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 know, say it's an Ember object extend. You give it a bag of mixins and get back some other this new class. Well, now you can extend like class extend that. So that's pretty cool. I mean, it, it that gives you the best of both worlds. It seems, but kind of still discourages the use of mixins now, which I like. Yeah, I I like that too. Yeah, uh, I think there was a famous Ruby blog post a while ago called like "Mixins Considered Harmful" or something like that, and and I I kind of feel the same way. Like it just means I have to open up more files to understand what the heck's going on. But yeah, no, I I really think this is a this is a very thoughtful approach to handling ES classes. I think there's already work underway to make this stuff like work and be a reality. And it's re- I think I think it is more about experimentation, like figuring out what's going to work and what's not going to work. I wonder how things like what static properties, I think. I think Jason uh, Mitchell uh, was talking to me about that. And he was basically saying, you know, like until we have certain things figured out about how to deal with classes, incorporating them into Ember and making it all work is going to be really challenging. 
And there's a whole list of things that aren't going to necessarily work, like that aren't really compatible with ES6 classes to the Ember object model. So I think there's still a lot of like, there's a long way to go. But I think this is a really cool step to facilitate things like, you know, Ember decorators to become, you know, a little bit more, I don't know, like we'll see them more in the wild and actually start getting some real feedback about how it can work, which seems pretty cool. And you're right. Like, I actually didn't think about that, Chase, about the Glimmer interop, but that makes a lot of sense too, is trying to make that, bridge that divide a little bit. So uh, it's very cool uh, RFC. I definitely want to see more about it. It's also very, very recent. So we're not like, we're not super far into it. I think it may have released uh, the RFC last week or two weeks ago. So uh, definitely get in there, get your eyes on it, see what you think about it, and leave some comments. It really helps out the the maintainers. And then the final thing we're going to talk about today is a little add-on that I uh, I was told about to help schedule work, and it's called uh, Ember App Scheduler, which you know kind of makes sense. But uh, it, it kind of like under the hood, it uses a request animation frame to make sure that certain non-critical code can be executed outside of the main render. So that basically you get your main critical stuff in front of your user as fast as possible. Uh, and then things like, I don't know, ad tracking or, um, or advertisements in general, uh, maybe analytics, like certain analytics tracking could happen in this, uh, in this hook. And it gives you two. It gives you one after uh, route, the, what is it, first route, um, first route paint, I want to say. Yeah, it's called after first route paint, but um, the way we're when we're looking at the source code in this, and and it seems like what this means is like before the transition is finished, like, and then after the transition is finished, and everything's been painted. So I'm not exactly sure when both from fire. So I think that it. Uh, so my understanding of it is that is that after first route paint happens right after the transition happens, but before it's rendered, and then there's another one that's after content paint, which is the next animation frame, which is after the content has actually been painted. So you have two op- opportunities to basically like push things past when things start happening and push things past when the content's already rendered on the page. Yeah, so, it, the, the one the, the one that's just confusing for me is the after first route paint because the way it mm-hmm. looks is it's not actually nothing's actually been painted or because like why why is there an after content paint if everything's been painted? I, I'm not I, I guess the actually underlying reason why there's two of these in a row kind of escaped me. But I mean, I, I, they're, they're chosen the documentation. They're useful for different things. But it seems like bo- both of them fire constantly. Like if you click and oh, transition right, yes. to a route, both of them fire again. It's not like when you first glance at it, when I first glanced at it, I thought what it was doing was saying, um, this top one is like a one-time fire and then it's done. And the bottom one happens every time. But it seems like they both fire constantly, but they just fire at different times. Mm-hmm. And the, the top one is saying, uh, so the after first route pane is saying it's useful for rendering content outside the viewport rendering non-critical content. And then the other one saying, uh, useful for rendering ads, schedule tracking work, rendering of pop-up overlays. I'm not exactly sure how those differ in like when they need to render in this actual... Oh, in like practical? Yeah, yeah. yeah but in like the practical sense. Yeah, right. definitely. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And the, the other thing that kind of tripped me up actually, um, and throughout the course of this, we kind of discovered uh, some uh, errors in my understanding of it, was basically like when you actually call, I think it's schedule work, uh, is the actual API, the the way that you actually interact with this library. It attaches event handlers for your router's will and did transition uh, hooks. And you don't want those executing every time. So you actually have to put this in an, an instance initializer, or there's probably other places you can put it, maybe inside of an uh, init of some uh, route, maybe, but probably an instance initializer so that it sets up those listeners one time and that will actually make the work recur, which is, you know, it's pretty cool. Like none of these things are particularly tricky it's just a matter of you have to give it a little bit of careful careful thought 
But the idea of doing that and having a nice way to manage these queues versus just like throwing in request animation frame, requ- request animation frame, all of your code, it's pretty nice. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I can see there's a few places in apps that I'm working on currently where this would help a lot um, because I'm trying to do uh, kind of not really benchmarks in the sense of like really critical benchmarks, just like major changes. Like, oh, I saved, you know, three seconds off of a load. So it's something I can visually see. I don't actually need tools to tell me that, it, that it's working. But very often, the thing that makes the most like difference is all of a sudden some metrics library takes you know 10 seconds to load when it used to take half a second. And it really skews your numbers because that thing's wildly varying. And I'd, I'd like to just like push those kind of like analytics tools and whatever else little you know, Google Maps plugins and stuff off to after the actual content of the page is rendered so I can get some better times kind of in my head like when I actually see content or when, you know, the time to first paint or whatever shows in the console. Yeah, definitely. I mean, normalizing for for that sort of thing is 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 good. Uh, although in the in the future, in the not too distant future, there will be some more talk about uh, a thing called Ember Macro Benchmark, which is super cool. I think we actually may have mentioned it before, but maybe that will help with uh, profiling and benchmarking as well. But uh, yeah, this is uh, super great for pushing off that exact work, you know, especially metric, especially varying things like. If it's not essential for the user to see, I think pushing it off, this is a good a good tool to do that. Yeah, definitely. And that's all we have for this week. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Ember Weekend, or you can check out our blog that has like one blog post in it at emberweekend.com slash blog. It's actually my turn to write a blog post, um, which is why there hasn't been one. Sorry about that. Um, John keeps like like pressuring me to like write a blog post. So if anybody has any suggestions, hit us up on our uh, the, the Slack channel. We're on Topic-Ember Weekend on the Ember Community Slack. That's all we have for this week. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll see you next week. 